Again, welcome to Oikos Church. We are glad that you're with us this morning. Can we give thanks to the Lord for Joshua and for Abby as guests this morning leading us in worship? I don't know if you know, but um, Joshua traveled all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. I'm not joking. He really did. His family lives here in Katy, so he's down here to see his dad and as we think about our dads this morning, this is an awesome message because it's about Elijah and Elisha. Some of you know the story, but as we look at it, it's a great Father's Day. It's about a spiritual father who pours into his son, a spiritual son, not related by blood, but simply because Elisha was chosen. And in that choosing, Elisha decided to obey. And there begins the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah would pour into Elisha for the next eight years until it was time for the Spirit to manifest himself upon Elisha and name him the next prophet. Let's listen to the story. The time came for Elijah to be taken to heaven, but before he went, he turned to Elisha and said, what do you want me to do before I'm taken away? Elisha didn't hesitate. Please, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah was shocked. He said, your request is difficult, but you'll have it if you see me being taken away from you. If not, you won't get it. As they continued on their journey, suddenly a chariot of fire with horses of fire appeared and separated the two men. Then Elijah was taken up into heaven in the whirlwind and was gone. Elisha saw it all. He ripped his clothes and yelled, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. He then saw Elijah's cloak, which fell from the prophet as he went up into the air. Elisha walked over and picked it up. He turned and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan River. He lifted the cloak high in the air, and then he struck the water. He said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? The waters parted, and he walked across on dry ground. Fifty prophets saw all of this. They said, The spirit of Elijah lives in Elisha. From that day on, they honored him as their new leader. When he got back to Jericho, the people of the city said to him, Jericho is a good place to live, but the spring is bad, even if it keeps our crops from growing. He said, Put some salt in a new bowl and bring it to me. They brought it to him and he went to the spring. He threw the salt in the water and he said, The Lord has made this water pure. You can now grow the crops, and no one will starve. After this, he left Jericho and returned to Bethel. So I think this is a wonderful Father's Day story, because Elijah, as a good father, gives everything that he has, even his own cloak, to Elisha. Elijah didn't have that much in worldly terms. It wasn't like he left him a house and a chariot, in fact, he got on a chariot and left. Elisha really only got his cloak and a promise, a promise that the Spirit would fall upon him. When I think about that, that's what a good father wants to do. It's a good father, whether it's biological or it's spiritual parenting. If it's a spiritual father, that's what you want to do. You want to give everything that has been given to you over to those who would 
then follow you. And that is exactly what Elijah, the, the great prophet of Israel, did for Elisha. Now, there's a lot of other things in this story, but I think for us to really narrow in on the manifestation of the Spirit, we're only going to be able to touch a small part of the story. But as we look at this story, you also need some clarity of what was the role of a prophet at this time. The role of a prophet was to always guide the king and the people back to God. Always reminding them who he was, who God is, and who God will be. Reminding them that they're not alone and that their daily needs and concerns can be fully given over to Yahweh, the God of Israel. To narrow this down, it's just a simple message. Life is better with God than in life without. Life is better with God than life without Him. So if you take anything from today's message, remember that. Life with God is better than life without Him. It's a message that the prophets have been speaking to the Israelites year, decades, centuries. Because people continue to forget it. And I would say even today. I think we forget it. That life is good with God. It's much better with Him than it is without Him. As we look at the history of Israel, they would often turn to other nations. And they'd look at their beliefs and sometimes compare themselves. Oftentimes the nation of Israel, which was not a huge nation, they would look at other nations that were much larger and seemingly more powerful. And instead of turning back to Yahweh and say, Yahweh, the God who saves, protect us, help us to flourish, help us to grow, they would turn to, well, what are they doing? Oh, they're praying to the God of Asherah. Well, let's Let's include that. Let's include that in our little life. It, it's all right. God, you know, God, Yahweh's still there, kind of. But we're going to also pray to these other gods because look at their nation. Look what they have. Others wouldn't completely forget about Yahweh. They would be the ones who kind of would go, let's not only have that one, but there's this other nation. So let's bring in that one and this one. Let's depend on ourselves a little bit too. And then we can survive. Throughout the course of the prophets, we see that they began to build chariots and walled cities, hoping that these chariots and armies and walled cities would protect them and continue this nation of Israel. But the prophet's voice was turn back to God. Now I wonder in our own lives, what kind of walls and chariots and armies do we try to build? What distracts us from simply turning to our God when we're fearful or distracted? We can get distracted from God's word and we often mix the wisdom of the world 
into what life is supposed to look like. How many of you have heard this saying, God helps those who can help themselves? How many of you said that to somebody? You probably don't want to say that you have. I've said it. God helps those who can help themselves. Why don't you work a little harder? What we find is that obviously this is not in Scripture. In fact, it's really bad theology. It's not, it doesn't even say who God is. It paints a picture of God who he is not. God has never said that he'll help you if you help yourself. Never said that. That's not who he is. In fact, he, we can't help ourselves. When we try to do something ourselves, mess it up. And since Ken said it first, we just kind of suck, right? We think we can help ourselves, and what can be even worse is that we think we can help others better than God can help them. How many of you said, I can help you help yourself? Have you ever said that? I mean, every good pastor says that. I can help you help yourself. But God's word says this. In this great distraction, he says in Romans, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless. See how a little wisdom from this world can change your perspective on who God is? When we get distracted and we don't listen to the words of God, we forget who he is. And just like Elijah had to remind the Israelites, turn back to Yahweh, we need those same words, turn back to the God who saved you. Another one, how many of you have heard this? This is a little bit older. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Have you heard that? How many have heard it? Really? I didn't know if you'd heard that one or not. Well, it's not in scripture. My mama would have said, oh, it is. You didn't read it right. But it's not in there. And it makes us have bad theology. This implies that if we do something right, then we'll come closer to God. This implies that if we straighten out our house, or our house, then we're acceptable to God. Then we can come close to God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Me. If I, 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 I do this, then God will do something for me. We operate that way. We're not supposed to operate that way, but we do because we've listened to these words. We think they're harmless. I mean that God helps those who can help themselves. You think, well, 
That's good. That gets a little gumption under some people. Gets them going. Cleanliness is next to godliness. We go, some people need to hear that. Maybe the person sitting next to me. I know my children who are in junior high, they're not in here so I can talk about them. They need to hear it. But not like this. They just need to hear, take a shower. Every day. Not when you think you should, because you need it more than once. The Word of God says this. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. From the heart. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Cleanliness is not next to godliness. God cleans us. God looks at us in whatever condition we are and he bends down next to us. God sent his son in the flesh for us. He did not wait until the world was cleaning, clean enough for his son to enter into the world. He sent his son into a world of darkness, of hate and shame. So that we could have the offer of becoming clean in him. Sometimes we get distracted. Do you guys all agree? Sometimes we forget the words of God. Sometimes we get fearful. And in fear, we are like the people of Israel. Sometimes we like to hedge our bets. So, I believe in Jesus. Who believes in Jesus? If you don't believe in Jesus, that's okay. If you feel better, just raise your hand right now. It's all right. I don't want to single you out. If you believe in Jesus, many of us will say, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. Many years ago, it was the t-shirt said, Jesus is my homeboy, right? Jesus is my bro. Everybody's wearing this kind of stuff. They have a little, real long time ago, like when I was a kid. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Everybody was wearing those little bracelets. Because Jesus is cool. You believe in Jesus, but you just don't believe everything that was recorded about him. Right? You don't believe that all of his words were really his words. And that his works were really his works, and his ways were really his ways. Jesus is cool as long as you don't have to actually listen to him. He's just kind of like a cool figure out there. Everyone knows it's ridiculous to believe that Jesus walked on water. Well, that's just a story. That he fed 5,000. Oh, we don't really need to believe that. That was just to make Jesus, you know, to amp him up. Those are just stories that have no importance. 
Everyone knows it's ridiculous to think that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, his good friend. No one can do that. We don't believe in that, which then leads to, it's kind of ridiculous to believe that Jesus raised, was raised from the dead. And then even more ridiculous that he'll raise you from the dead. And we step into fear. I like Jesus, but I'm not sure if I believe in everything that he says. I don't believe in all his ways or all his words. I only believe in those that I really like. How many of you read through, well, I shouldn't say, I won't make you raise your hands. Just think. How many of you have read through the Bible and you get to a section and you go, mm, no, I don't jive with that. Well, let's just hear a couple of verses. Let's see what we think about. These are words from Jesus. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, this is Jesus, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, the Christian church, the Lutheran church would say we need to listen to these words but when it actually comes to practice it seems like we forget out of our own fear right now you guys probably don't know anything about this but now you're going to know something about it our synod isn't that a great word but it means to walk together that makes it sound better walk together not synod but walk together, a bunch of Lutheran churches. We're going to be electing a new president, new leader of the Lutheran church. Here we go. Ready? Missouri Synod. It just happened. It started to, in Missouri a long time ago. That's why it's Missouri Synod. It's worldwide, but it's Missouri Synod. Two and a, about two and a half million people say that they're a part of this. Well, there's a lot of people, there's three candidates. There's a lot of people saying nasty things about other candidates. Wow. Love your neighbor. But I say love your enemies. Even if you disagree, Jesus says pray. He doesn't say persecute. He says, pray for them. But this is hard to do. We say we love Jesus, but Jesus says, this is what it looks like to love me. No one can serve two masters. You ready for this? For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. But how do we operate? Do we fear God more or do we fear losing our paycheck? Really? I mean, let's just... If you had to choose next week, you can't give the church answer because you're in church. No paycheck. 
or no prayer, what would we choose? That hurts, huh? Well, because it hurts me. Because I would probably operate out of fear, going, oh, well, you know, it's a good thing we have a forgiving God. I kind of want that paycheck. But I forget the relationship I'm throwing away as I'm grabbing for the paycheck. I need a prophet in my life to say, turn back to God. The paycheck will bring you nothing, but prayer will bring you everything. So this leads people, when we think about God in this way, to do incredibly shameful and hurtful things to those who believe and to those who don't. To the extreme of killing someone because they performed an abortion. We don't believe in abortions, but I can tell you we also don't believe in killing people because they've done something sinful. But that's the extreme, right? But that's what happens when you say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in everything that he says. He didn't say those who persecute you hit him on the side of the head with a hammer. He said to pray for them. But we also do passive things, right? We aren't extreme people in here. We would not kill anybody. Although Jesus said this too, if you hate someone, you kind of killed them. I mean, he said it a little more directly. If you hate someone, you have murdered them. But we don't hate people, right? He says that in our own lives as we're passive, we'll just ignore those who disagree with us. We'll just separate ourselves from those who don't look like us. We'll just separate ourselves from those who don't think like us. I mean, have you ever been in a room where there's political discussions? There's Republican, there's Democrat. I'm already going to be in trouble because I said Republican before Democrat. <laughs> Democrat, Republican, Independent. We separate ourselves quickly. All of a sudden, Jesus is no longer in the equation. I'm right, you're wrong. Hmm. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says, and this leads us when we don't believe this to spend a lot of time worrying about our bank accounts, our retirement accounts, our paychecks, whether we want to be generous, worrying about whether or not we want to actually give to the church. It continues to be less and less and less of people who go, I'm going to give to a church and I'm not going to expect a plaque. I'm not going to expect a little chair named after me. I'm not going to expect something on the grounds named Aaron Lytle. I'm going to give just to give because the Lord wants me to be generous.
And I'm going to trust in that. This is what was happening in the time of Elijah and Elisha. The people of Israel had become fearful and distracted. Elijah had tried to call them back. He had used miracles. He had done amazing things. When they looked like they should be totally decimated by another army, he stood almost by himself and said, don't fear because they cannot see the army that is around us. And Israel won that day. Few believed, but Israel won. Kings were leading people, God's people, away from Yahweh and worshiping the, the gods of their wives, their additional wives, and their concubines. This was not a good time to be a prophet. It wasn't a fun job. Elijah knew that, and Elisha was stepping into it. It wasn't a job that Elisha could do out of his own spirit. He needed the spirit of the Lord to manifest upon him. He needed the power of God to be with him. So the story says, Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he had when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, where's the Lord, the God of Elijah? He wasn't saying this to be snarky. He was saying this so that everyone would know that God had not left them as Elijah left, that God was still here. Then the river divided and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Elisha, Elisha showed the other prophets that the Lord would continue to do awesome and wondrous things. Just a week ago, we celebrated Pentecost. In the time of the prophets, God would choose one or two or a few for his spirit to fall upon and work through to guide the people back. After Pentecost, God chose you. The moment you, are believe, the moment you believe and are baptized, God's spirit rests upon you to represent him and the relationship you have with Jesus. All power and authority, Jesus says, has been given to you. Oftentimes we forget that the responsibility that was given to the prophets has been given to us today. Guide the people back to God. Guide them back to Jesus. Remind them of the words of Jesus, not the words of this world, but the words of Jesus. Remind them that these stories are not just stories. These really happened. And it shows us who God is. And when we forget that, we forget who God is. We become distracted and we become fearful. We don't walk in the ways of Jesus. We start walking in our own ways. 
we become alone. Even when God says, I am always with you. We become lonely because we forget those words. Peter would say to the people, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. I know we have a hard time believing it, but God chose you. He chose you. He's not waiting for you to be completely clean. He's willing to work with you the way you are. He's inviting you to step with him. He's going to change you. He's not waiting for you to help yourself. He's saying, I'm here to help you. Follow me. Trust me. Be free. Have joy. Give peace. We think it's impossible. We think it's impossible to step alongside someone who's hurting in the hospital and in the name of Jesus say, be healed. But it's not. It's not you. You're not good enough to do it. You suck. Right? I do. It's not me. I mean, please, I mean, I don't wait for my prayers to heal you. But God's Spirit can. God's Spirit can do anything. What we believe is that He is working His wonderful plan out right now through you. Even when you just sit on the couch and watch some, like, Housewives TV or something. Beverly Hills, whatever it is, I don't know. You get all in, you know, like, I've got to watch this show, and you just sit there while he's whispering, there's something better than desperate housewives. I know that seems kind of, but look, just look at your life. I look at my own, and I go, sometimes I need him to just say, there's something better, Aaron, than dessert. There's something better, Aaron, than your latest thing, your latest little toy that you just bought. Something better than your iPhone. There's something better. But all these things we strive for. And Jesus is saying, strive for me. Strive for me. Not for your retirement account. Not for your own health. Strive for me. And when we think it's impossible, classic verse, Romans 8, 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Say it with me. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now I want you to say it not in unison because sometimes that sounds robotic. I want you to just freely say, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Say it in your own time right now. 
But say it like you're really excited about because it's God who's saying, I've chosen you. My spirit rests upon you. If God is for me, who could ever be against me? That's how I say it. Like if I'm oppressed and pushed down, I walk out in my backyard and go, if God is for me, and you could probably film this someday, but this is kind of how it looks. God is for me. Who can ever be against me? No power or authority can push me down because God is living inside of me. I may be broken. I may be bruised. I may be injured. I may be close to death. But God is still for me. It doesn't matter if you all say, you suck, Aaron. Guess what? God is for me. He chose me, but he's chosen you. He's chosen you. He's named you his heirs. He's named you his children. His, this is his Father's Day. And he looks at you and he goes, I love you. And I love what I've done in you. And I will never forget you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are ever-present, ever-glorious, wonderful. Help our unbelief. Help us to see you. Lord, help us because we are lost. Send prophets among us, Lord to speak your words into our lives, to return us back to you. We give you thanks for Elijah, who did that for your people long ago, and then gave everything, even the promise of your spirit, to his son, Elisha. And Elisha would do the same. Lord, may we not lose that fervor of loving people, sharing your words with them, doing your works for them and walking in your ways until you come again. You are awesome and wonderful and glorious. And we've only seen a little bit. Prepare us for when you come again. In your name we pray, Lord, as we all pray the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.